0: This is an AI Group podcast. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the most significant workplace relations issues of the month. The full members-only report is available on our website at AIGroup.com.au in the policy section under workplace relations, policy and advocacy. And with me today to discuss the key aspects of this latest report, I'm speaking with Stephen Smith, Head of National Workplace Relations Policy at AI Group. And I'm Tony Melville, Head of AR Groups Communications. So, Steve, we've got uh, three things out of this quite lengthy report to discuss today. And the first is the overall view that we have, AI Group has, of IR reform. And that's in a report in the Australian newspaper, July 8th, on headlined, IR reform, urgent for the economy. So, within that, there are six um, steps for reform that we're putting to the government to contribute to their reform program. So can you maybe go through those six just briefly?
1: You know, the, uh, the first point is we're not calling for the Fair Work Act to be thrown out and uh, completely replaced. We've uh, been down that path before with these huge swings in the industrial relations system. What we're calling for is for um, sensible uh, moderate reform to boost productivity and there are uh, six issues that we've uh, we've raised uh, amongst uh, you know others of course but these are six particularly important ones Firstly the uh, ensuring integrity bill that the government's reintroduced into Parliament this would uh, impose tougher standards on uh, registered organizations of uh, unions and employers and um, no one that complies with the law has anything to fear from the ensuring, integrity bill. Second, that that includes the Australian Industry Group and other organisations
0: as well that are registered.
1: It does, yes. Uh, Registered organisations of employees and employers, AI Group as well as the unions.
0: And in the last uh, time it was put up in the last parliament, it got knocked back partly because of the Senate. Is there more of a chance of it passing this time?
1: It it, uh, has a greater prospect of success. The crossbench is smaller and uh, hopefully this time around that bill will be passed. Uh, It's been referred to a Senate committee inquiry, so the earliest it can be passed really is in November this year, but hopefully by then there'll be sufficient support. Great. Step two? The second issue we've uh, talked about in these podcasts uh, before, that's the problem with casual employment at the moment, all the uncertainty associated with that work pack versus skein decision of the federal court. We need... A uh, definition of casual employment in the Act—a simple one, like the one in awards. If you're engaged as a casual, you're paid as a casual. You are a casual, and you shouldn't uh, be uh, able to pursue annual leave and other entitlements. So, and
0: that, has that changed in terms of how the government is looking at that? In terms of how the Parliament is looking at it, more sympathetically or not?
1: Well, it's pleasing that the, uh, the new industrial relations minister, Christian Porter, has mentioned this as a, an important issue that the government is looking at. So uh, I think this is a change and we will keep vigorously pressing the need for uh, a change in this area. Great. And step three? The, the third issue is uh, enterprise agreement making, particularly the better off overall test. Uh, There was a decision a few years ago in a case called Hart versus Coles, where the commission decided that the better off overall test for proposed enterprise agreements needs to be applied to every single individual employee. That's unworkable where you might have an agreement applying to hundreds or thousands of employees. We need a much more sensible test, one that would look at logical groups of employees, say people at different Classification levels.
0: Right, and that would be much easier to manage as well, obviously. Yes. Okay, step four?
1: Step four is another bill that the government has just reintroduced called the Protection of uh, Worker Benefits Bill or the Proper Use of Worker Benefits Bill. Um, this would protect workers' entitlements in uh, entitlement funds like construction industry redundancy funds. You know, too often at the moment, the entitlements or the investment earnings on those entitlements are being siphoned off into the bank accounts of, uh, of unions.
0: What sort of money are we talking about here? I know we've spoken about it before on these podcasts, but it's a lot of money,
1: isn't it? There's about $2 billion now in construction and electrical contracting industry uh, redundancy funds. So it is a lot of money and it needs to be protected like superannuation f- funds are. You know, superannuation funds are subject to A lot of regulation, but these other entitlement funds, there's very little regulation.
0: So it doesn't have the same sort of governance rules that,
1: say, super has? No, nothing like it. Nothing like it. OK, the fifth one? The fifth one is uh, unfair dismissal laws. Obviously, we need to have unfair dismissal laws, but there's just too much um, inconsistency amongst uh, decision-making by the Fair Work Commission at the moment. And uh, we need to give more emphasis to the reason for dismissal rather than the procedural fairness aspects. Of course, procedural fairness is important, but employers that terminate someone, for example, for a serious safety breach or for serious uh, sexual harassment want to and are entitled to be sure that those... Uh, dismissals are going to stick rather than uh, those people being ordered to be reinstated.
0: And that's happening on a regular basis,
1: is it? Um, it, it? It's happening on occasions and that sends entirely the wrong message where employers are trying to uh, ensure appropriate standards of conduct in their workplaces. Okay. And the sixth one? The, the sixth one relates to enterprise agreement terms on major projects In the lead-up to the federal election, then-opposition leader Bill Shorten said that Labor was looking at allowing enterprise agreements on major projects to continue for the life of the project. That's a very good idea. Um, This uh, current government, uh, we believe, should implement that, and hopefully Labor would support it. There are a lot of major projects which continue for more than four years the maximum duration of an enterprise agreement.
0: So that sounds like one with the greatest chance of success. Then, uh, hopefully, yes. Hopefully, okay. So, so they're the six. They're part of the II reform urgent for the economy. Stories in the Australian newspaper today, and there's also an editorial there on the. Uh, this is the eighth of July. Now, there are two other issues just to cover off in this podcast, and the first one of those two is the annual wage review. Now, there's uh, been a lot of media over the last week or so coming out of the ACTU suggesting that every employee and every employer needs to pay every one of their award workers the
1: increased wages. Is that right under this review? Well, the annual wage review decision of 3% uh, is operative from the first pay period to commence uh, after 1 July. Uh, The people who are entitled to that 3% increase are those who are paid a lower uh, rate than the new award rate plus 3%. Um, the ACTU was widely putting the position in the media that everyone under an award must get a 3% wage increase to reflect this decision. That's not strictly correct because a lot of people are paid over award payments and in those circumstances there isn't a legal obligation to pass on this increase. A lot of people do, but a lot of people have other wage setting mechanisms in their workplaces.
0: So if you're unsure about that, if members are unsure about that, they should go to the workplace advice line and, and get the, the clear information?
1: They should, and the uh, workplace advice line has been heavily involved in preparing about 70 separate member advices on uh, uh, you know, about 70 different awards, and uh, Yeah, those rates are out there uh, now.
0: And the ACT, just to make it clear, the ACTU suggestion that this is somehow a blanket pay rise is nonsense, I think.
1: Yes, the award rates have gone up by 3%, but uh, if people are being paid at least the new award rate, then, then that is the obligation. Excellent. So, just the final thing here, we're nearly out of time. The
0: other big decision in, in uh, the last uh, few weeks, or some 4th of July actually, it must have been on Friday, a full bench of the Fair Work Commission handed down the annualised salaries decision. So what's the story there?
1: Yeah, th- this case has been continuing for three years or so and AI Group has been very heavily involved. Uh, there are annualised salary clauses in about 20 or so awards. Often they apply just to particular type of employee, but uh, some awards they apply to everyone. You know, two examples are the Clerk's Award uh, and the Manufacturing Award as it relates to supervisors in in manufacturing. You know, employers can pay an annual salary uh, under the award clause instead of applying the letter of of the award. Now, there's going to be a lot of issues arising over the the next year or so because the Commission has decided to replace all of the existing annualised salary clauses in awards with a very prescriptive approach which will require um, detailed record keeping of every additional hour, detailed reconciliation of the hours worked against the hours paid and a lot of other uh, detailed issues. Uh, so the new clauses will be operative in those awards that uh, have the annualised salary arrangements from March 2020. But There are uh, a number of complex issues about all of this. You know, how do the award clauses uh, relate to provisions in common law employment contracts and so on. So we will be getting at, uh, detailed advice to members about Uh, what you need to do about these uh, issues. So are we
0: arguing against the need for all this reporting as well?
1: We've argued vigorously against this uh, highly prescriptive approach uh, in a whole series of uh, submissions that we've made. The Commission's decided to go down this path. The the final outcome is uh, not as bad as what it might have been had we not worked so hard, but it still is going to require a lot of uh, system changes for employers. But there are some opportunities to use common law contracts rather than these award clauses. And uh, this is a, a really important issue that employers should uh, look at and, and talk to AI Group or AI Group workplace lawyers about.
0: So AI Group workplace lawyers can, can make these changes and set up these contracts?
1: Yes, that issue is about set-off clauses in employment contracts and AR Group workplace lawyers can assist to draft employment contracts that include these clauses that the full bench in this case has said uh, are valid um, as a, a way of implementing alternative annualised wage arrangements other than through the use of the award clauses. Um, in this podcast, we've been
0: talking about the AI Group Workplace Relations Issues of the Month in the Workplace Relations Policy and Advocacy Significant Issues Brief that we put out. And I've been with Stephen Smith, Head of National Workplace Relations Policy at AI Group. And that's all for now. See you next time. Thanks, Steve. Thanks.
1: Thanks.